0: what's up my friends JT Devolt with you today for the true driven podcast the podcast for the few the true the driven those amazing people we call the true driven and I say good morning Good afternoon and good evening, whatever time it is for you, no matter where you might be tuning in from on the Big Blue Marble. Thanks for joining us here as always, and make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, YouTube for the video version of this. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications so you can stay in the know when we put out new information, which is going to happen on a very consistent basis. Now, I want to talk to you today about what I believe are three extremely important things that all leaders need to have in their business and more importantly in their focus. These are the three things that when you have them concrete as part of your daily method of operation, literally a daily thing, if it's part of your circle of consciousness forefront in your focus, this is what's going to help you move your mission forward. In fact, I'll say this, these three things are critical for your mission accomplishment in business and in life. No matter what it is you're here to accomplish, and no matter what level of leadership you might find yourself in, these are three things that we have to focus on. Now, I've talked a little bit about focus in the past. I've talked about how focus is uh, you know, one of these things where, energetically speaking, it's kind of the combination of your life force. It's not just your Mental focus, it's your energetic focus, right? What you pour your best efforts and your talents into. So when we talk about focusing in on these three things, that's literally what I'm saying, is you want to put the ultimate investment of your time, energy and focus into these three things. And I want to talk just a second about that word "investment," because it has a lot of important meanings that are different depending on the conversation, right? Obviously we're talking about financial investments for sure. There's the investment of your time, there's the investment of your energy. So you can you know, you can also invest in people. And what I mean by that, that's a very important leadership principle is the ability to take your knowledge and share that with the people that are looking up to you, that are following you, the people that you have the responsibility to to help them move forward. And my intention is always with the True Driven Podcast is to give you those things that you can turn around and transfer to other people. But in order for us to transfer it, we have to first own it. We have to be able to take it in, you know, in as part of who we are and what we do and how we operate. And so I think these three things are super important. Now, where this particular topic came from was earlier this year, Uh, I posted about what worked for me last year, my three big wins, and the three things that I focused on that were the biggest, probably for me, most important achievements, if you want to think of them that way, and the three things that I was focusing on this year, (laughs) and these are the three things, the three things that I acquired in the previous year that were my big wins were skills, experience, and assets, and then I said, the three things I'm focused on this year are skills, experience, and assets. So those are the three things that I think right now are extremely important for leaders to be focused on. In fact, I would venture to guess that throughout your entire journey, throughout your entire career, whatever that might look like for you, if you're an entrepreneur building a business, if you're a business leader that's leading people, leading a team, Uh, leading an entire organization, what you're going to find is those three areas, if you focus on those, no matter what year it is, no matter what season of your experience or what season of your journey you're on, you're going to find that focusing in on skills, experience, and asset acquisition are going to be paramount for your success and your mission accomplishment. It's also something that's going to be super important for you to incorporate in your leadership of other people to help them uh, learn and develop skills, as well as create opportunities for them to get the experience with those skills. And then hopefully parlay those skills and that experience into asset creation and asset uh, acquisition. So we're going to talk a little bit about each one of these three as it pertains to this leadership conversation. Of course, my disclaimer is this, you may find that the definitions that I offer here are a little bit different than the ones that for you make sense for for where you're at in your journey. I I just want to say that's perfectly okay. I'm just offering this as a suggestion. And what I say this as a suggestion is not just from a place of theory. This is a place of practice. This is a place of experience. So when I talk about skills, think about as I'm saying these three things or as we discuss these three things, how do these three apply to you? How do they apply to you in your personal journey, your business journey, your career journey, as you go out there to accomplish your big missions in business and life? Now, when I talk about skills, I'm talking about the things that are transferable, and I like to think about it across different aspects of your life. So some of the skills that I might encourage you to really focus in on continuing to work on if you're working on them already, but absolutely uh, starting to work on them if you're not yet focused on them are the following. The skill of leadership. It's a never-ending, lifelong pursuit. If we work on our leadership skills, we can transfer that knowledge not just to our careers, our business, but other aspects of our life. And as leaders, this makes total sense, right? And what I'm talking about when I talk about leadership, there's so many aspects to leadership, and the great part about this is is that you can choose at any given point what that leadership focus needs to be for you. Most important thing when I talk about acquisition of skills and development of experience and acquisition of assets is to remember. This is on you to decide for yourself what is most important right now. It's not necessarily, hey, this is the be-all, end-all list, or this is the be-all, end-all uh, you know, set of of requirements for success. Not that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am describing here is, especially with this concept of leadership, there are going to be just like a complete different level of leadership development and leadership training, depending on where you're at right now. And more importantly, Not just the leadership that you need, but the leadership skills that you need to help your team and the people that you lead develop in themselves. So there's leadership, there's communication, which is, you know, under the umbrella of leadership for sure, but communication skills are super important. So whether it's the public speaking, if it's the written word, if it's the ability to communicate and understand other people, to actually listen and receive input, that's important. But there's another aspect to communication skills that I think are, it's inferred, but it's not necessarily talked about up front. And one of those things is the ability to be emotionally in control of yourself. Now, I have to say with complete transparency that this has been and continues to be a journey for me as I strengthen my own leadership muscle. So by no means am I saying, oh yeah, I've got this thing totally figured out. In fact, I'll tell you this. I, don't think, I wouldn't say that any of us have anything totally figured out. We may have more experience, more knowledge in a certain area, and the ability to transfer that to other people is based on this communication that we're talking about here. And so based on that, I have to simply say this. I think the ability for us to be in control and management of our emotions is a key essential leadership skill as well as communication skill. I have had, in recent experience, examples where my own emotions got in the way of making good critical thinking decisions and choices, not just for myself, but for my teams. And so what I can tell you is, listen, if you find that your emotions are running away from you, that's an opportunity for you to grow. If you find that your emotions are something that is very stagnant, very still, you're a little bit stoic. What you might find is people won't trust you as much. There's a big aspect to this side of this emotional intelligence as it's sort of been bastardized. You know, and that's the other thing. For a long time, there was this concept of EQ, emotional... Intelligence. I mean, it meant to kind of play off the concept of IQ, intelligence, you know, as we understand it with an IQ test. They were using EQ as this intelligence, this emotional intelligence. And what it became is another opportunity for people to fucking gaslight other people, right? This idea to say, I'm better than you, more virtuous than you, because I'm somehow more in touch with my feelings. What I want to be clear on this is everybody's got their own personality set. Everybody's got their own. Uh, way they interface with the world around them, relationships with other people. So emotionally, I'm not asking you or challenging you to change who you are. What I'm challenging you to do is to explore and see how your emotions, the way you leverage your emotions, how is that helping or hurting the way you communicate in your leadership role? I had an experience a couple few months back where it was a very difficult, challenging thing that I was working against. And it was requiring all of my internal assets, my emotional assets, my mental assets, my ability to problem solve, my ability to come up with solutions. And at one point, I allowed my emotions to run away from me. I allowed myself to kind of lose grip of the controls of my emotion. And I got into a heated conversation with a peer. This person was kind of using and leveraging that manipulating you know, my emotions a little bit, and I allowed that to happen. And if you recall, a couple of podcasts back, I was talking about this element of, of understanding not to be a victim, understanding when we find ourselves falling into this victim role and how by being a victim or identifying as a victim, that puts us behind the eight ball. But more importantly, we are surrendering our power to other things or other people. Situation and others. This happens a lot, and it's a behavior. It's almost a habit pattern for some people—not just that behavior, but a habit pattern. The question that I would challenge you with is: Are you allowing that to happen? And if you—if it does, that's what you've got to stop. Because as a leader, you cannot afford to lose that relationship capital, that credibility with other people by allowing your emotions to run away from you. And that's 100% what I allowed to happen in this particular situation. Now. It's easy to look back on things like that and feel that there was a leadership failure. And perhaps, depending on your perspective of the situation, it was a leadership failure on my part. I can own that. But what I can tell you is this. It was an awesome learning example, awesome learning opportunity, which gave me the new experience. So we're going to talk about experience in a second. So let's earmark that for for just a few moments from now. What I'm saying to you here is super important for you as you progress in your business, in your career, in your life. Be aware and cognizant of how you communicate with other people. Be aware of how the interaction you have with other people and even situations, how that actually translates to your emotional response to the situation. Because, hey, look, as leaders, we're human beings, we're going to have emotional responses to things. And sometimes those emotional responses are going to be appropriate, and sometimes they're going to be inappropriate. The question is, are you able to modulate in the moment, on the fly, between a tough situation or a great situation, are you able to modulate your emotions so that you stay in control? So you stay in your own personal power, not necessarily control of other people or control of the overall situation, but control of what you can own in that situation. That's the question. That's the challenge. So when I'm talking about skill development or skill acquisition, as it pertains to the conversation today, one of the most important skills outside of leadership, but it's incorporated in leadership training is the ability to communicate effectively and the layer to that communication that's super important is that emotional control, that emotional mastery, which allows us to still have the human element. So we don't lose that. We don't become robots. We don't become stone cold, uh, you know, almost like sociopaths without emotion. But more importantly, what we have is the ability to leverage the emotion in an effective way. It is a deep conversation, I understand. But what's interesting to me is how this one aspect of the leadership conversation, and especially communication. When we start talking about the emotions, that's where people get real nervous. They start getting real uncomfortable. They start itching. They start fidgeting. They start getting kind of squirrely in their chair because they go, oh my God, man, now we're talking about that thing, that touchy-feely shit. And I'm not necessarily saying it has to be touchy-feely, but there are times where we feel like, "Ooh, I have to insert more emotion. Well, sometimes you got to pull some of the emotion back. Sometimes you just have to understand, hey, I am being emotional Sometimes it's physiological, you're tired, hungry, whatever the thing is. And sometimes it's because we haven't quite learned or worked on that skill. So challenge yourself to explore how much you allow your emotions to run your leaderships, your leadership strength. Is it costing you or is it earning you leadership capital? A lot of times you'll find as you work with folks in your team that if you've got an underperformer or perhaps even a high performer who's underperforming, they're just going through a spell. The questions that you can kind of ask will be around the concept of how much their emotions and how much their feelings are driving their decisions, their choices, and their actions. Because if they're using too much then they may not be necessarily performing at the level that is appropriate for their potential. It's an interesting concept and it's an interesting question. That's where we as leaders have to have a sense of our own emotional mastery for ourselves so that we can be strong and uh, accessible in that sense for the teams and for the people we lead. And if this is something that you need to work on, then just mark it down as one of those skills that you're going to continue to work on. Another skill that I would, you know, clearly recommend is the ability to, uh, master your skills or I'm sorry, your, uh, your tasks, master your tasks. And a lot of times what people talk about, they talk about time management. I'm a big advocate for getting away from this concept of time management. I think time management in and of itself is a joke. <laughs> it doesn't fucking make any sense. Like you can't manage time. It's just impossible to manage time. Time is a constant. There's no way we can slow it down or speed it up. We certainly cannot stop it. We can't rewind it. We can't travel in time, at least uh, not literally. We can't bank time. We can't buy time. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how strong, how sexy. It doesn't matter. We all get the same 24 hours in a day. Each of those 24 hours has 60 minutes in it, and each of those 60 minutes has 60 seconds and so on. The point being is that it doesn't change for anybody. It's the most equal opportunity employer or destroyer, depending on how you leverage your time. So you can't manage time. Time owns you and time ends for all of us. So instead of thinking about managing time, let's think more effectively and think about how we can manage our tasks. It's about task management and personal leadership. That's the focus. And those types of things, if you can talk about task management, the question is, when are you most effective? How can you take the things that are important, your priorities, and put those forefront in your business, in your life, and make sure that they are the things that get addressed first? You've probably heard the old, at this point, it's become pretty much cliche, but it's the idea when you first get on an airplane and the flight attendant starts to go through the safety brief and they talk about in the unexpected event of a loss of cap and pressurization, you'll be presented an oxygen mask. You put it on your face first, you get the idea. The reason they want you to put it on your face first is so that you don't become a liability. You remain as an asset because you haven't passed out due to the lack of oxygen. So you got to take care of yourself first before you take care of other people. Same goes for your priorities. You have to put yourself as a priority, your personal health and fitness, your mental well-being, all the things that make you sustainable as a leader. What's interesting to me is how many times True Driven's put that on the back burner. It's an epidemic that's been going on for generations, but it's gotten to a heating, you know, to a boiling point of, of late recently. So we have to say that's not okay. We have to be willing and prepared to own, take ownership and say, look, I'm going to fucking put myself first. It's not selfish, my friend, to put yourself first. Contrary to what the fucking media, contrary to what society would have you believe putting yourself first, taking care of your responsibilities to yourself before you start addressing the responsibilities to everybody else is key and essential. Because if you don't, the consequence is going to be mass suffering on your part. You're going to suffer burnout. You're going to suffer fatigue. You're going to suffer illness. And then you're going to start suffering all the other consequences of those. Your relationships are going to start falling apart. Your performance in your role is going to start to drop. And if you have people you answer to, seniors above you, there, those people are going to start questioning whether or not you remain you should remain in the role that you're in. If you are the head honcho, the CEO, the boss. You've got even more responsibility because you've got people to pay. You've got people to stay employed. More importantly, you've got people that are looking to you for those answers. They want to see the example you're going to set. And if you're a person who completely destroys yourself health-wise, they're going to say, well, that's not a person who cares enough about themselves. They're going to start to question whether or not you are somebody who can be around and sustainable enough to stick around for the long haul it can actually start to decrease trust. So don't second guess the importance of taking great care of yourself. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to lavish yourself in gifts and that you have to constantly take time away from your responsibilities, but I think the pendulum can swing that direction a little bit more for a lot of you. A lot of folks right now don't take themselves seriously enough. They don't honor themselves enough. They don't have enough self-love, self-honor to actually invest in themselves. And like I was talking about before, it, when I use the word investment in this sense, it's more than the financial investment. It's more than just something that produces a financial return on investment, the financial ROI. It actually creates a energetic ROI. An energetic ROI that allows you to do more, be more, give more. And that's really at the heart of what we are our focus on doing as leaders. You're worth it. So you got to make it, but you got to make yourself that priority. So these skills, we start talking about developing skills, that's skill, leadership, communication, uh, you know, uh, task management, but also mental toughness, the ability to take more and more. That term anti-fragile comes to mind as I'm sitting here thinking about this. Antifragility implies that the more pressure, the more strain that you put on that person, the stronger they become. That's a pretty remarkable way to go about life. Come at me, bring it on. It only makes me better. And you know what the difference between people who think like that and everybody else is? They fucking made that choice. They made a choice they determined that that's who they were going to identify as. They were going to identify as somebody who loves the bring it on approach, the embrace the suck attitude, that the harder it gets, the better I become. I rise to the occasion. I rise to the challenge. The challenge will subdue itself to me. It will bow down because I will not back down. When you adopt the anti-fragile mindset, Mental toughness becomes an obsession. Grit becomes a characteristic of who you are at your core. A character trait that people see and agree across different uh, you know, demographics of your, of your relationships. The people that kind of know you and the people that know you intimately, they will all agree that you have grit. Because it'll be evident to everybody who knows you, no matter how deeply or how well they know you. Those are the kinds of skills that I'm recommending you start to develop and obsess over. Not just get kind of excited about, feel the motivation for, but get obsessed about. The ones that you're deeply, deeply committed to. Now, there's a long list more. In fact, the list is infinite, And as I said before at the top of the podcast, it's going to be important for you to decide for yourself which skills outside of the ones I'm suggesting here are important. Maybe there's other skills like copywriting. Maybe there's other skills like uh, sales that you need to develop depending on what your position, your role is in life. But these are the kinds of things I want you really focused on. Yeah, it's really easy to obsess over all this shiny object bullshit that is used to capture your attention, the 24/7, 365 bombardment of information that we get as at a constant rate from our fucking smartphones, we as leaders have to have the capacity to slow things down and compress our attention into what's most important: skills, experience, and asset assets acquiring those three things. So the skills that you need to acquire to take your game to that next level are going to be deeply personal and probably role specific. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a CEO, if you're a creator, whatever your position in life is, you're going to need skill-based stuff or, you know, career-based or whatever uh, your, your focus is. There's going to be certain skills you're going to need to work on there as well. But the leadership skills, the communication, that emotional uh, IQ, if you will, EQ, emotional mastery, mental toughness, grit, all of that stuff is going to be key and essential for you to be the best version of yourself. But skills are just one aspect to this. The next part is the application of the skills themselves. The ability to actually get true experience with our skills. So what does that take? What does it mean to actually have experience? When we have experience, what does that give us as it pertains to our leadership position? It helps us earn trust. Because I can come into you and say, I have a qualification, which is the the acquisition of skills. And you might be impressed by that. But if I am brand new day one on the job, you're going to have lower trust in me than the person that has the same qualification, but five years more experience. Kind of goes without saying it makes inherent sense here. But the question is for a lot of folks are like, I'm just not there yet, JT. Like how long is this going to take? And the question is, "Is it's going to take what it takes. Part of experience is, of course, time. You have to have time in that position Time in the seat is we, or time in the saddle is, as it oftentimes said. But when we used to fly when I flew airplanes in the navy. It was time in the seat, the actual pilot seat. You'd acquire hours. You'd track your hours from takeoff to landing, and then obviously the more hours you had, it was indicative of the experience. So you had to learn the skills of flying the airplane, but then you had to go out and do it on a consistent basis, and that's the most important part because where I see a lot of young entrepreneurs or people that are just starting on a path. And by young, I'm talking about time. I'm not necessarily talking about age. You could have a 50-year-old who finally left corporate. Maybe they just retired and they just started their own business. That's a young entrepreneur. So I'm not talking about their age. I'm talking about their time in that arena. So a lot of newer entrepreneurs have that kind of how long is this going to take attitude. And I'm here to tell you right now, that's an amateur way of going about it. The question doesn't matter. How long is it going to take is an ineffective fucking question. Who cares how long it takes? A better question is, what do I need to do to acquire the fucking experience for this? What is it that I've got to do to get to a place where I have the specific skills that are necessary for me to attain the results that I want? I have to be clear on what just those skills are. All the other stuff is fluff. It's unimportant. So we've got to be really, really focused and clear on the specific skills necessary to garner the results. But then we have to have the time and more importantly, the reps, the repetitions to gain the experience. Because if you go to med school and graduate and get your doctorate, and now you're officially a doctor, very few people are going to trust you over the surgeon who's been doing it For 20 years, the pilot who just graduated flight school and got their wings pinned to their chest is not nearly as trustworthy as the guy who or the woman who's been flying for 15 or 20 years. But more important than the years, it's how many reps they actually have. I knew plenty of people in the military, military aviators who had 25, 30 years of experience, but very little actual logged flight time. And in some cases, that person may be a senior officer, but they have less flight experience than a junior officer who's got more time actually flying the airplane. So from an aspect of who do we trust here and who has actually more experience, the junior pilot with more flight experience or more flight time has more true experience as a pilot. That does not discount, however, that senior officer's time in the military because I can tell you this there are very few off days in the military. Like you have constant leadership challenges coming at you 24 7, 365. So you can't discount the time in the actual time in rank, the time in grade, as we used to say. So just know that if you are somebody who's been in business for a while, but you're not where you're at, it's not so much about how much time you've been in, it's about the skills you've acquired and the repetitions you've put in to refine those skills, hone those skills, make those skills part of who you are as a human being, part of your DNA. Very much like going to the gym. You can go to the gym for six weeks straight, work yourself into a pretty decent shape, but if you take time off, it doesn't stay with you. It's not a set it and forget it type of thing. You have to constantly work at it. You have to constantly stay in the gym, keep pushing yourself to that next level. And that's the same thing with any skill, specifically leadership skills. And in the role of being a leader, you have to get very comfortable with the fact that it's a constant learning thing. You're always going to be on some version of a learning curve on some capacity. And here's the crazy part. You might be around you. Listen, I know a lot of you right now listening to this have been in business You've been in some leadership capacity, even if you're not a business leader, maybe you're still in the military or coming out, maybe you're law enforcement. The point is this, whatever leadership role you are in, you've probably been in it for a few years. And for you noobs that have been here that are just like starting off in your career, this is an awesome time to be here. It's very rare that a person who comes into something brand new uh, can have the ability to learn and grow fast if if they don't have the attitude that they're going to do so. If you think about, I'm going to acquire the skills necessary to be great at my position, and I'm going to work at it on a constant, consistent basis, that's where you develop the actual experience. So even if you're brand new at whatever you're doing, make it the primary focus, the priority for yourself to Acquire skills and then put the time and the repetition in because it's not just about saying, well, I've been doing this for five years. The question is, how many laps around the track have you made in that five years? That's what I'm more excited about. That's what I'm more interested in when I talk to leaders as they are talking about pushing the the next level of their performance and helping their teams to do the same. Repetition and time. I mean, it takes time to put the repetitions in, right? But it's not just about sitting on our laurels and letting the time pass. We have to actually be active on it on a consistent basis. And it's, it's, it's no mistake that you see people who grow fast. So you might see a person who's been in at something relatively early or relatively short in time that grows fast and might surpass a person who's been around for a while. What's that? It's not the person that's been around for a while being lazy and it's definitely not because they don't have skills, but a lot of times they've just gotten complacent. They've allowed this identity as a person who's achieved some sort of a skill or maybe gotten to a certain level to say, well, that's where I'm at, man. And I identify as that. Whereas the person who identifies as the lifetime, lifelong leader or I should say lifelong student and lifelong leader but lifelong student that's the type of person that will usually make fast growth or fast even sometimes faster growth and supersede or or surpass the people that have been around him for a while see this a lot of times in organizations where you've got that middle manager who's kind of sitting on their ass and they get passed over for the promotion it's very easy to get upset and down on yourself, start to go into that pity potty and go, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Or, hey, they, were, they had favoritism by the boss. Or was it possible that their performance surpassed yours or had the trajectory that it was about to surpass yours? Is it possible that the feet were up on the shelf, on the counter, <laughs> on the desk too much? Maybe it's time to put the foot on the floor and start kicking ass again, get the reps in to get the experience. Here's the cool part about experience. Yes, it comes with time and absolutely it comes with repetition, but it garners one of the most important things that you'll ever have in life. One of the reasons we as human beings are separated from the rest of the animal kingdom and absolutely the key and essential piece of leadership. And that is learning lessons the ability to learn a lesson. And one of the biggest misconceptions people have is you are supposed to fuck up. You're supposed to fail. You're supposed to fall on your face. Well, I don't want to fail. Too bad. If you want to be great at anything, anything of significance, you're going to have to get comfortable with this idea that you're going to fail. You're going to come up short. If you're going to the gym and you're not a, on a regular basis hitting a point where you can't lift, like you just burn your muscles out, then you're not growing your muscles. If you're getting to a place in your leadership where everything's easy, everybody likes you and it seems like the ship is smooth, is sailing smoothly, you are not pushing yourself as a leader. You're not putting yourself in a position to fail, which means that you're not taking the risks, you're not taking yourself to that next level of growth. Out of whatever fear that might be, the fear of suffering, the fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of looking stupid, the fear of humiliation, whatever that thing might be for you, whatever creation uh, story you've created for yourself, you've got to get very clear on this, that it's not experience doesn't just come from time. It comes from doing the repetitions and it's not from just doing easy reps. It's from doing the hard repetitions. It's about taking risks. It's about going into the darkness from time to time. It's about going in those places that most people won't go. And that's the reason we're called leaders because we fucking lead. We're in the front. Everybody else is waiting to see what happens. We're the ones making it happen. And as a consequence of that, occasionally you're going to flop. Occasionally you're going to fall on your face and guess what? That's okay. It's part of the journey. It's part of the recipe. It's part of the formula for success. But we got to get past this part where we feel like shit when we, when we fail, we think failure means we, we are a failure. When we fail, we are now a failure. That's our new identity. Listen, that's not true. You're only a failure if you quit or don't start. You've basically said fuck you to your potential to the gifts that you were given and everybody's got gifts. The question is, are you refining those gifts? Are you strengthening those gifts? And that comes with experience, right? That comes with time that comes with saying, hey, listen, I know I've got some skills to acquire, but I've also got to put the time and the reps and I got to be willing to look stupid i got to be willing to look foolish. I've got to be willing to look awkward. I've got to be willing to look uncoordinated. I've got to be able to flub my lines occasionally. I've got to be able to be okay with looking like a person that doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't have all the answers. And you know what that is? That's that vulnerability that's a key and essential part to leadership, and it's something that's not spoken about enough. All these fucking motivational gurus are talking about how you got to look good You got to look the part and they're absolutely showing that, right? That example, all they show is the shiny, awesome shit in their life. They only talk about the things that are great. Be careful for those people. I personally like to learn from losers. That's fucking right. I said it. I like to learn from people who have lost, who have gotten their asses kicked, who have fallen on the fucking pavement and split their lip on the concrete, I want to learn from them because it's not about the fall. It's about what happened next. It's about what happened in the moment that the fall happened and the realization occurred to them and hit them like a load of bricks. What happened next? I want to hear that story. Not from the person who's got it all figured out. Not from the person who wants to show you their private jet and their big mansion and their shiny cars. That shit's fantastic. Good for you. I love that shit too. I really do but that's not the thing that turns leaders into excellent people. It's the thing that helps somebody maybe stay excited about the journey. And that's fine. I want to know about the loss. I want to know about the ass kicking. I want to know about the contact of the fist to the face, the bloody lip, the broken nose, the broken heart. I want to know what happened next. Those are lessons. And those lessons are pure fucking gold. But again, it takes the skill of leadership. It takes the skill of communication. It takes the skill of that emotional mastery and the mental toughness to be able to go through Something like that. To even put yourself in a position to fail. That courage, that leadership to put yourself into a position to fail and to not just fail and fall down, but to have the wherewithal to learn and annotate the lesson and then be able to convey it to other people. That's amazing. That's the stuff that makes all the difference. And there's another aspect to experience that we oftentimes miss. We talk about skills and experience. There's another part that gets overlooked. And I will tell you, it's not always fun. And that is feedback. Because if you see somebody who's gotten great results, who's accomplished their missions and is on the next one. And they're in that process of accomplishing their mission. What you're going to find is typically the people who have the highest performance in anything business life, doesn't matter what it is, are people who are constantly seeking feedback from people that are at or above their skill level, not feedback from the trolls, not feedback from the shitheads that are leaving crappy comments on their posts. Not, not that that's not feedback. That's just bullshit. You can take it as feedback, and it's kind of nice sometimes, actually, if you think about it. People always call them haters, which is such a bullshit, fucking whiny-ass victim term. They're not haters. They're trolls, that's fine, but here's the deal. All that is is an indication that you're on the right path because you're pissing people off. Leaders always leave a little bit of fucking wreckage behind them. Always. Because there are going to be people who are sitting on the sideline in judgment of themselves and you who are looking at what you do and they're going to second guess that because they go, hey man, this is a reflection of me sitting still. This is a reflection of me hiding back in my weakness and in my complacency. Watching you go out there boldly and make mistakes and fail and fall on your face and learn lessons and grow and become better and better and better. Putting in the time, acquiring." the experience. And I can't take that. So of course they're going to reflect and transfer their self-loathing onto you. So you could take that as feedback, but take it as positive feedback, at least take it as feedback that you're doing something worthwhile. But oftentimes we spend so much capital, mental and emotional capital on, Oh my gosh, somebody left me a fucking mean tweet or a mean comment. Listen, accept it for what it is, block them, cancel them, do whatever you feel like you got to need to do with that shit. The question is, are you getting feedback that's helping you move forward? We call it constructive feedback. It's not always fun. Constructive feedback isn't, hey, great job. Nice going. Keep going. That's not constructive feedback necessarily. It can be. Constructive feedback is usually what my buddy TJ calls the shit sandwich. You tell them something good. Hey, really like the way you showed up today. You were on time. You tell them something not so great. However, you were totally unfocused and forgot what you were supposed to do. And then something that's positive to, to build upon. But what I like about it is you didn't give up on yourself. You kept going. That's fucking awesome. Now let's show up tomorrow and have a better day. As a leader, you have to have the ability to give that kind of shit sandwich for feedback. But you also need to be willing to receive it as well. It's one thing to give feedback. And I know some leaders that are great at giving feedback, but are lousy at receiving it. They don't have, they lack the humility to be able to say, I'm not everything in that, you know, all that in a bag of chips. You could be the smartest person in the room. And if you are, you're in the wrong room, my friend. It's time to upset, upgrade. It's time to up level yourself and start investing in your leadership. If you're the smartest, most capable person in the room, you got to find a new room doesn't mean dissing everybody else. It just means, hey, listen, I am not going to grow in this environment because I'm not getting the feedback I need. How the hell can I possibly get the quality of experience I have to have in order to increase my leadership, increase my capabilities, and up my performance if I'm playing in the small pool? That's that personal challenge, that personal leadership we have to have on a continual basis. And finally, we talk about assets. Look, assets, they can take on many different forms. Yeah, there's financial assets. You might have real estate portfolio. You might have stocks. You might have crypto. You might have all these different things. And 100%, yes, 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 start acquiring those assets. You have to. If now more than ever, if, if the last two years, several years of, of the world, not just doesn't matter what country you live in, have taught us anything. It's to be more self-reliant. And that's what true driven's already know. You don't need me to tell you that it's all about being self-reliant, not relying on the fucking government or anybody else to bail your ass out and not relying on that one stream of income. You've got to be self-reliant, right? Assets in that sense, assets in the sense of making sure you've got the protection you need to take care of your family to make sure you've got all the stuff that you need to feed your family. Of course, those are assets. But assets can also be the things that you need to keep that business sustaining, that email list, that following, whatever that means on social media, but not for the sake of the dopamine rush. It's for the sake of bringing more awareness to your brand. It might mean, listen, I've got to make the investments in my people, human capital, human investments, investments in my team. And also, as I sort of alluded to a moment ago, investments in your circle. Here's my question to you. How often, how regularly, and how prolific are you investing in your relationships with people that are either at or above your skill level? Is your circle of influence, the five people, they always say the five people you invest or spend the most time with, that type of investment, that type of circle, is that circle pushing you? Is it challenging you? Is it expanding you as a human being, as a leader, as a professional? If the answer is, I don't know, maybe this is the time to really get laser focused in on that investment. That investment of human beings around you is massive. And the asset that you will require, that you'll acquire in the process is an asset of alliance, an alliance that will help you go to the next level and then also contribute to those that are doing the same thing inside that circle. You want to have a tight circle, my friend. You want to have a group of folks that are kick-ass, badass motherfuckers that you identify with that are part of who you think and how you believe, but also that challenge those thoughts, not just people that are, that create sort of an echo chamber of bullshit, People that think and possibly believe a little bit slightly differently than you, at the very least, sometimes drastically different than you. I love having people like that in my circle because it challenges me to stay focused, to not get complacent, to not get fucking lazy with the way I think. I challenge you to do the same thing. That's an important investment, an asset that you will have for the rest of your life is the ability to nurture, not just seek out, but nurture Outstanding relationships with high-caliber, high-altitude people. This is the charge for True Driven's right now. Make it your priority to acquire skills, to acquire experience, and to acquire assets. Skills of leadership, skills of communication, skills of that emotional mastery, mental toughness. Skills that are applicable to your career, to your specific pursuit on your mission. Make sure you're doing it on a consistent basis. Have the patience with yourself, the grace for yourself to put the time in. Give yourself way more time than you think it's going to take. I know you're impatient and I know you're driven. I fucking understand that in spades. But damn it, stop telling yourself that it's got to happen overnight. You're not going to be a 90-day wonder. Give yourself the grace to take the time that it requires. And instead of being impatient with how how long this is taking, be more focused on the repetitions, more focused on the work, more focused on the action so that you get the experience and be seeking out that feedback. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to flop and don't be afraid for that feedback. And of course, Make sure you're putting in the investments of time, energy, and focus into amazing people to acquire the assets of relationships with people at or above your skill level. Yes, you need financial assets. Yes, you need other assets to make sure that you and your family are t- and the people that you lead are taken care of. 100% yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about with an asset. And yes, an email list and all these different things that are required for your business, 100% they're assets. Maybe it's equipment that you require for your business. But don't overlook the power and importance of the human assets, not from a transactional place, but from a place of mutual benefit, a way that you gain experience, gain wisdom, gain strength from other people, and also give it back in a gigantic, badass cosmic feedback loop that everybody benefits from that's the shit we're talking about. All right, my friends, it's time to go out there and get after it and make it happen. Thanks as always for joining us here for the True Driven Podcast. Again, make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And remember, no matter what course you fly in life, fly high, fly fast, and fly far, stay driven.